everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hi, Mike. Yo, how you doing, baby? I'm doing pretty good. Good, good, good. Uh, it was a, a Thanksgiving week. Uh, we just got over it, so. We did. Still recovering from turkey and stuff. Um, we, we hosted. We did. Yeah, your whole family. We had 11 total people, mm-hmm. so it was nice, a little gathering. And uh, we brought up the topic of possibly not having turkey next year. Uh, didn't go over well. So you are a traditionalist. You'd like to have turkey. I do. Even though turkey isn't fantastic food. Would you yeah, agree with that? I enjoyed it this year. I mean, it's kind of like having chicken. Yeah, it was fine. I like traditions. Um, and I also, my dad and I make stuffing together and we put it in the turkey. And we wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't have a turkey. So it sounds like what we agreed on is having like a smaller turkey and then adding like a, you know, maybe a roast beef or something or... Uh, prime rib would be nice. Yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, I don't. I'm not a big meat lover anyway, so I don't give a rat's patootie. Whoa, wow! I didn't think we'd be using that kind of language <laughs> on the show today. I'm sorry, sorry folks. folks. Patootie. That's that's a rough one. Yeah, yeah. So we had a lot of people. We had everyone sleeping over at our house. Mm-hmm. And the good news, um, I was in charge of I think literally one thing for the whole day. And you went to go take a shower while you put me in charge of baking the buns. And I asked him, I'm rolls. like, you got this? Because I'm going to go take a shower. And you're like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, the timers easy. were set. I'm like, stop being like so like worried about what I can do and not do. Like This is just easy. Buns in the oven, no problem. <laughs> buns in the oven. Yeah. And we think we were making crescent rolls. So I, I looked at them. I'm like, ah, oh, these these four look done. So I'm going to take them out, put the, take the four out, put the others in for a little bit more. And uh, I got into a conversation, and lo and behold, I left them in about 10 minutes too long, I would say. Yeah, uh, I mean, the rule of thumb for me is I don't ever stick anything in the oven without setting a timer, because I went to school to be a dietitian, and part of that was food. So we, I had to run a restaurant on our campus of Northern Illinois University, and that was the one thing that was like drilled into my head, was you never... Put something in the oven and not set a timer because odds are you're going to get distracted. Yeah, and uh, I did. So turns out that you know you shouldn't bake them ten minutes longer than anticipated. No, it's nine minutes is what's recommended, not not nineteen. Yeah, so it was nineteen. They weren't <laughs> black; they were edible. I would say the you biscuits say? were absolutely oh, yeah. burned. We had biscuits. We also had the crescent rolls. Crescent rolls were okay looking, and so it was just like, all right, I got to go, and I'm gonna go try to make it up and find some buns somewhere. And I was like, do people even eat buns for Thanksgiving? And you're like, yeah, it's part of the it's part of the menu. I'm like, well, we could just scratch it from the menu. It doesn't have to be on the menu. But she was, you know, it, it felt like somebody here really wanted it, but you wouldn't tell me who. No, I think our kids like them. Uh, Oh, okay. So I was like, okay, well, I'll go out to Whole Foods, which is the only grocery store open on Thanksgiving this year. And you were like, okay, thank you. I'm like, okay. You said you wanted to take a ride. So he's spinning the story in a different way, folks. Don't listen to a word he says. Well, I'm telling the story. Therefore, I'm spinning the story to my side. So that makes sense. You're spinning it falsely. But regardless, the menu turned out flawlessly. Our daughter helped me tremendously because we cook everything. I cook the entire menu myself, so yeah. it, was it was delicious. delicious. It was yeah. delicious. Everybody had a good time. Kids um, were off of school for the week. Last weekend, we had our daughter's birthday party with a like five 
girls sleeping over. That, that's your own personal hell, I would say, basically. Well, it's because they constantly need things. Yeah. Like, I'm, really. I'm feeding them constantly. They're 12-year-old girls. They're very self-sufficient, I would it's say. It's the food. Like, well, they're constantly needing food. Yeah, and then our daughter's like, hey, um, we had a sleepover. Can we have one more sleepover? It's like, if it's one friend, that's okay. But, like, you... Not five girls. At first, I was like, yeah, that sounds fine. But then you said, well, you'll be in charge of, like, making them breakfast again and lunch again. And I'm like, that's a lot. Well, yeah. I, it was a Sunday night. So I was going to be working. I'm like, I have to get up for work at four o'clock in the morning. And then I'm hosting 11 people in our house on Thursday. I'm like, absolutely not. I yeah. said, your dad is working. And then Mike looks at me because I'm I'm the bad guy. Well, yeah, that's ideal. It's like, you want to get up on a work day and prepare breakfast and lunch for five girls? Bad guy? Good guy. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. Yeah, that's okay. Mean one? Nice one. Yeah, it works very well. I, I must say, I like it a lot. <laughs> so it was a success. It was all good. It was all fun. Um, the kids are back to school tomorrow, and we're getting back to regular life until Christmas. Yeah, yeah, should be fun. So hopefully everybody had a good Thanksgiving if you're in the United States. And uh, if you're not in the United States, that's okay. And you had, you know, some time with family or whatever. It might be um, just regular stuff. So Exactly. Um, well, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here. And uh, every week at 9 a.m., we come to you with a new episode. So should we get into this week? Let's do it. Okay. So this is a very sad story, as they all are. I will give a little warning. This case does involve some sexual assaults. This is the murder of Georgia Williams. So Georgia Williams was born on September 17th, 1995 to parents Lynette and Steve Williams. She had an older sister named Scarlett and the family lived in Telford, Shropshire, excuse me, England. So her father, Steve, he was a police detective. They were just a very sweet and loving and close family. So Georgia was described as someone who went out of her way to care for others. It was always her goal to make people feel included and comfortable. And it's great to have to know a person like that who's kind, because I find that so many people are just wrapped up in themselves that it's so nice when other people see the discomfort of others and try to make them feel comfortable. Like how many times are you at a party and somebody doesn't ask you anything about yourself? That happens more times than you like. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. So when Georgia was younger and in middle school, she did face bullying But as she moved on to high school, she became more confident. She was very popular and well-liked. She had a very large circle of friends because she was so kind and and funny. She became the head girl of her school, which was Urkel Wood Technology College. Head girl? Is that like a U.S. equivalent of like the president of the class? Yeah. Basically, it's a leadership role that represents the entire student body. So it was George's dream and goals to one day become a Royal Air Force's paramedic. So during her time in high school, she began training as an air cadet. Her dad described her as a gorgeous tomboy, as she loved to be outdoors. She had an outgoing and adventurous spirit. When she turned 17, Georgia got a job at a gas station, or in England, we would say petrol. But here in America, we say gas station. So this was in her town. And while she was working at this job, she made many friends. So this included a 22... One one uh, source said 22, but most said 23. So I'll say he was 23. So this was Jamie Reynolds. So Jamie was a man who presented as very socially awkward. He oftentimes seemed to be left out of the group just based on his personality. It's uh, a lot of times we start talking about socially awkward. Not that people that are socially awkward are, are killers, but man, it's usually not a good sign. So Georgia was the type of person that would immediately notice somebody like this 
and want to make them feel included into the group because she was a good person. So she made a point to befriend him. With her help, he soon became to come around more, like with the group. He was participating in group activities amongst all the co-workers at the gas station. So it didn't take long for Jamie to develop feelings toward Georgia because she was kind to him. And probably was the first girl doing so, like in a long time, maybe ever. Right. So he eventually worked up the courage to tell her how he was feeling. He asked her out on a date. He even told her he would love it if he could be her boyfriend. Georgia very kindly and respectfully turned him down, explained that she did she wasn't interested in pursuing a relationship at that time. She wanted to avoid ruining their friendship. So Jamie felt upset by Georgia's response, but he chose to respect her wishes so that they could maintain their friendship. But little did Georgia know that Jamie was quietly harboring an extremely unhealthy obsession for her. During their shift together one day, Jamie confided in Georgia and he told her that he was deeply unhappy with his life. He no longer wanted to work at the gas station because, you know, he's 23 years old. She's a teenager who's finishing high school. He's already moved past that. So he wasn't happy with where he was in life. And he's telling Georgia about this. So he said that he was getting older. He was interested in pursuing his passion of photography in hopes that one day it could possibly become a career. So being a good friend, Georgia wanted to listen and support him as he spoke. So they sat down together and they talked about it. They talked about his goals and his plans. She encouraged his pursuit of photography and Jamie asked if she could help him create a professional portfolio. So he also hoped she could be his first model or photography subject so that he could get this portfolio together and get the ball rolling. Man, she's super, super kind to offer all this stuff. She just has that place in her heart where she just wants to help, it sounds like. Yep. So being the good friend that she was, Georgia agreed and they set a date for a photo shoot. The date was set for Sunday, May 26, 2013. The plan was for Georgia and a few of her friends to go over to Jamie's parents' house and do this photo shoot. So as the day of the photo shoot rolled around, Georgia almost canceled the plans because her family said that they were going to have a barbecue at the house and her grandparents were going to be there. She hadn't seen her grandparents in some time, but she was somebody that was reliable. Again, she was a good friend. She didn't want to cancel their plans and make Jamie feel like she didn't care about his goals. And he wasn't a priority in her life and yeah, his, his dreams weren't important. So it was her idea, and I think this way a lot, like, how could we make this all work? Yeah, you do. So her plan was, I'm going to go over to Jamie's, do the photo shoot, be there for just a short period of time, come back home and visit with the family, and then everybody's happy. So she was going to go quickly and then come back. So Georgia got ready. She quickly did her hair and makeup. That day, she wore jeans and a leather jacket, and she headed over to Jamie's house. As she was leaving her family's home, her father told her that she looked beautiful and that she reminded him of Sandy from the movie Grease. (laughs) And there was no way in the possibility of anything that Steve could have ever known that these would be the last words he would be speaking to his daughter. Uh. So Georgia walked out the door that evening at 7.30 p.m., and her family expected her back relatively quickly because, again, you know, Jamie lived only a few minutes away. So she would go over there maybe for an hour and be back. So after three hours had passed, they became concerned that she had not come home. 
Her mother, Lynette, assumed that Georgia must have gotten caught up with what she was doing, you know, potentially lost track of time. So she sent Georgia a text and asked her when the photo shoot was going to be finished. Georgia responded that the photo shoot had ended a while ago, but she was just hanging out with her friends. She likely would not be home until later. Her mom was satisfied with the response. She saw that her daughter had ended the text with three kissy face emojis. This was very typical of Georgia. She didn't think anything about it. She knew that Georgia was a very responsible girl, so she stayed out of trouble. Her mom was not concerned. She was very satisfied with the response. She was a teenager. So later that night, Lynette and Steve headed to bed. When they woke up the next morning, they were alarmed because Georgia still hadn't returned. So at 6.30 a.m., Lynette sent another text and asked where Georgia was and when she would be home. Georgia responded an hour later at 7.30 a.m. She told her mom that she had stayed the night at a friend's house and that her phone's battery was dying, so that if she did not send another text, this would be the reason why. So Lynette didn't know at the time, but these texts that were coming through back to her were not from Georgia at all. So it was now Monday, May 27th, and Lynette and Steve knew that Georgia had plans to go to a a music festival that day, so they weren't expecting to see her anyway. So the assumption was that she was going to be gone for the day, and she would go to the music fest straight from her friend's house where she had stayed. So they expected her to be home for sure by the next morning because she had her first driving lesson scheduled that Tuesday, and she was super excited to learn how to drive you know, earn her independence. Yeah, that's super important for anybody who remembers that time. Right. So as the day wore on, this is Monday. Now we're moving into Monday night. Georgia still wasn't home. Lynette's and Steve's worry begins to grow again. So feeling a sense of panic, they began to contact friends and relatives, but no one had heard from Georgia or seen her in days. When Georgia still hadn't returned by the next morning, now we're moving on to the day where she would have had her driving lesson scheduled. They know she would have been home for that. There was no way. Yeah. So it's Tuesday, May 28th. So Lynette and Steve decided to report their daughter missing. They tried to give as much information as possible, but really the only information that they had was that that Sunday she had gone to Jamie Reynolds' house for a photo shoot. They have no information beyond what happened from there. Yeah, nothing super factual. You know, obviously they think that they're talking to their daughter via text, mm-hmm. but it's like, no, all we know, 100%, we saw her leave here, go to Jamie's. At 7.30 p.m. on Sunday. That's 100% fact, the only thing we can say. What happened beyond that is a mystery. So when police looked into Jamie Reynolds, they saw that he had a disturbing record. In 2008, he was caught by police when he attempted to strangle a girl. Mm -hmm. So at that time, no arrest was made, no charges were filed. He had been given a warning and sent on his way. Police went to Jamie's house to question him since he was the last known person to have seen Georgia. When they knocked on the door, no one answered. So at that point, fearing for Georgia's safety, they kicked the door in. They looked around the house. Nobody was there. It was empty. So when they went to the gas station where Jamie and Georgia worked, they spoke with some coworkers. No one had seen either. And even more concerning, both had missed a shift, which was very uncharacteristic. So police contacted Jamie's parents who were on vacation, but they provided them, or I'm sorry, they provided the police with a registration of the van that Jamie would be driving. It was a white van that actually belonged to Jamie's stepfather. So the Shropshire police notified stations across the UK to be on the lookout for this white van. 
So not long after police tracked Jamie down, he was 208 miles away in Glasgow, Scotland. And the fact that he had left the country was alarming to investigators. So on Thursday, May 30th, 2013, police arrested Jamie at a budget hotel on suspicion of kidnapping. They took him into the station for questioning. So he told police that he didn't know where Georgia was. And at that point, he was transported back to Shropshire. And it's kidnapping for now, by the way. Right. So Georgia's family was devastated when police informed them of what was going on. They knew that things were not looking good. Yeah. So really, at this point, they were expecting the worst. So with Jamie in custody, police were now able to conduct a more thorough search of the home. They found a camera with an SD card inside. When they looked at it, they saw that all the files had been deleted. So the camera was taken to the station to allow experts to recover the files. So when this was completed, police were able to see the images that had been taken And any question that they may have had in mind of what happened that night were answered with these questions. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't good. So the first couple of photos were of Georgia, and they appeared to be very typical pictures from a photo shoot. This proved that Georgia had definitely been with Jamie on that day that she went missing. In the images, she looked happy. She was carefree looking. She was fully clothed. So I will tell you that as I continue to go towards what the end of what happens in these photos, I will be talking about what happened briefly. So if you want to skip forward, I totally understand. So as police continued to search through the images, they became darker and more disturbing as they went on. Later photos showed that Georgia was naked. She was standing on a red recycling box and her hands appeared to be bound behind her with a rope that hung above her. Photo 12 displayed the correct time of 8.20 p.m., and at that point, Georgia's face still showed no sign of alarm. This was the last photo of Georgia alive. Mm. So it is believed that Jamie murdered Georgia before 9 p.m. that night. So Jamie, when I say filmed, I do not believe they were actual videos. I believe these were a lot of photos. So these final moments were captured on this camera. And the police watched in horror as the red box that she stood on was basically kicked away. And then she was struggling for breath and she ultimately died. Yes. Mm. So the final images were extremely graphic. And this is where I will warn you um, that these are disturbing. So it basically showed Jamie engaging in sexual acts on Georgia's body after she had died. Mm -hmm. He moved her throughout the house, and this included his parents' bed. Very, very horrifying and disturbing. He posed her body in various positions. He removed her jewelry. He kept these as souvenirs. He then utilized her cell phone to text her parents so that they would be under the impression that she was just fine. So this is a very sick and dark and disturbed person that we're dealing with. Yeah, poor darling Georgia goes into just like help, a lovely human being. Help a friend, and it's really interesting that she didn't have signs of distress on her face. Do you think? I mean, you know, other the things that you've read, not that what you think, but maybe people's comments and things. Like, do most people think that? She was actually just posing before she Yes, died? he made her believe that he was doing like this deep kind of photo shoot, which yeah, I will you... tell you what he told her. Okay. So police ended up finding 16,800 photos, 
and 72 videos of extremely violent pornography, rape videos, and snuff films. This included people being tortured and murdered. Jamie later told police that he was absolutely excited and turned on by strangulation. His parents ended their vacation and immediately came home to speak with police. Yeah, good idea. They confirmed that their son had been watching violent porn since at least age 14. It could have been sooner. This was when they found it. Uh, that's got to be hard as a parent. It's like, what do you do? Man. Right. I mean, you know, there's a lot of sexual preferences and things of that nature, but it's like once it starts getting towards illegal stuff. You and know. violence. Yeah. And why, why does that excite you? Yeah. So it definitely concerned them, and they didn't treat it lightly. Yeah. So when they found this, again, he was 14. They weren't really able to take his laptop away because he did use it readily for school. So what they did was they contacted their internet provider. They prevented all access to sites like these. So being a creative and manipulative teenager, he called the internet provider himself. He paid for his own private Wi-Fi wow. so that his parents would be unaware of the fact that he continued to utilize these sites. Wow. That's so, an enterprising young man. I know if we shut off access for our son, he'd just be like, oh, I don't have internet now. He'd be like, well, that sucks. This <laughs> is stupid. Right. So I mean, yeah. nothing uh, positive to say about this young man, the piece of sh- shit. But that's game, just but. how determined he was to right. continue to watch this violence. Yeah. So they were so concerned that they themselves found these videos when they found these videos on their son's computer. They actually notified the police and CPS, but both avenues told them this. It's not illegal to watch these things. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, because the people are actors and they're acting like they're being murdered mm-hmm. and stuff. And that's what snuff films are. And because people do get off on that. And it's just Oof. like these are actors. Like it's the same thing as a horror movie. Like that's not illegal to make. Right. So sorry. There was nothing they could do. Yeah. So during the search of the home, police also found notepads with 40 different stories that Jamie himself had written. This and all of them included the torture, rape, and murder of women. He had also printed pictures of women online and drew a picture of a noose around their necks. There had been doctored images of at least eight girls that he personally knew. And then these girls find out about what happened to Georgia and that their faces are in Jamie's house with a noose around them. Like it could have been any of them had they yes. gotten closer to him. Absolutely. It was just Georgia that was kind and wanted to help her friend progress in life. Yeah. So one story specifically had been written about Georgia. It was titled Georgia Williams in Surprise. This was the exact story of what Jamie did to Georgia the night he killed her. So he basically wrote this story and then recreated it into reality. So it turned out that he wrote the story. He started it in January. He completed it three weeks before he actually killed her. So while his parents were vacationing in Italy, he knew he had the house to himself. He jumped at the opportunity to turn his fantasy into reality. Jamie had tricked Georgia into thinking that he was creating an artistic photo shoot. So the whole thing about not wanting to work at the gas station was a ruse. It was just like, I just want to find a way to get you into my apartment. Just a way to get the story happening. How can I get her to come over? So he told her when she came over that it was this artistic photo shoot 
that involved a simulation by hanging. So he had hung a noose to a hanging mechanism that he fitted to the loft hatch of the house. This stood above the landing. So based on his writings, he told her that she would stand on a box that would be edited out so it appeared that she was floating. Okay, so it's like... And what would her head go into the noose, obviously? So yeah. that's where, like, in your head, you got to be like, this isn't good, you know, unless there's some kind of fail safe or something. Like, you got to think, man, not, and I'm not blaming Georgia whatsoever. She's trying to do her best, but here's what I would think I'd be like, there's got to be something there to show me that this will give way if something happens accidentally and I actually hang myself here. You know, you're talking about a a town in England where you're working at a gas station. This is a co-worker that she had known. Yeah. You don't think that someone is going to do this. You think, oh, wow, because artists are very, you know, I'm going to say something stupid, artistic. But I'm saying, like, they do different things that we wouldn't think about. Well, it's racy, you know, it gets people thinking. Right. So maybe she was all for just, you know, the artistic expression of it all. Why in the world would she have ever thought that her friend was going to kill her? She wouldn't have. No, of course not. Because, you know, people who don't have these dark thoughts, their minds don't go that way. Right. So the initial photos on his hard drive were of Georgia alive and smiling with a red rope around her neck. And then the next series were of her dead. So again, it was photo 12 at 8.20 p.m. That was the last photo of her alive. So we know he killed her after that. So those that knew Jamie saw him as a little odd, quiet and reserved, but no one could have ever imagined that he was capable of what he had done to Georgia. They didn't think he was a violent, sick person. Well, no, otherwise you would you know, call authorities or something if you had that inclination. So Jamie refused to tell police what he had done with Georgia's body, so police set about retracing his steps from Monday morning, May 27th, the day after he killed her. They started at a gas station where they had seen surveillance footage of him filling up the tank for the white van. At this time, they knew that Georgia's body was in the back of the van. From here, he drove 60 miles and went to a movie theater. He put the car in the parking lot, went inside, watched a movie while George's body was in the back of this van. Was it like a normal movie or like a snuff film? No, it was a normal movie. It was just at a regular movie theater. And police believe that this was like his sick way of in his warped mind that he had take finally was able to take George on a date. Mm. Like that's why they think he went to the movies. Interesting. That in his mind, this was their date. Yeah. Like you're not going to do it when you're alive, but you'll, you'll do it now that I, I, I killed you. So after he left the theater, police lost track of his movements. So they put out a public statement. They showed the van, excuse me, what it looked like and asked if anyone could come forward if they had seen this van. So it was very helpful. Police or people actually came forward very quickly. They informed police that they had seen the van on and I hope I'm going to say this right. once I can actually talk. So this was called Nanty Garth Mountain Pass near Wrexham. The area was dense with woods. It had a very muddy terrain, which was a good thing. Because of this muddy terrain, his van had gotten caught. So this was why people really remember they actually had to step in and help him. Oh, wow. What a bad luck for him, but uh, great luck for everybody else. It's not a piece of crap human being. Right. So they helped him get his van unstuck from the mud. So, of course, they remembered the van. They called police. They knew that George's body must be in this area. So, of course, police headed to this area and 
and this is where they located the naked body of Georgia Williams. Ah, must have pissed uh, <clears throat> pissed Jamie off that they actually found him. Her. Right. So postmortem show that Georgia had died from asphyxia, as they assumed would be the case. They also found bruising on the back of her neck that indicated that Jamie had likely used his knee to also apply pressure to help things along. So despite all of this evidence, all of this evidence, Jamie is standing there in front of the police maintaining his innocence. We have photos. It's like, okay, (laughs) she was last with you, and here's this, here's this, here's where you were, and here's where she was, and okay, you're, you're innocent. Okay, makes sense, buddy. So all of this changed, however, on the first day of the trial, when in December of 2013, he decided to stand and admit what he had done. Georgia's father, Steve, said that his wife, Lynette, would carry the scars of seeing her daughter's body as it laid in the hospital's chapel of rest from here to eternity. It's nothing you would ever forget. How do you ever erase the images of your child taken at the hands of another human being that she trusted? I don't know if I'd be able to watch any of those videos or anything. No, they didn't see any of that. Just knowing that what happened. Right. Yeah. So during the trial, it was discovered that the police were aware of Jamie. Again, I mentioned in 2008 that he had strangled a girl. So in 2008, he received what the judge referred to as a final warning after trapping another 17-year-old girl in his home. In 2011, he was reported again. This time, he reversed his car into a girl who had refused his advances. In this instance, he had just gotten off with nothing more than a traffic warning. Jamie was referred to as a sexual deviant by the judge, and as the trial for George's murder was ending, it was stated that he was at risk for becoming a very dangerous serial killer. Yeah. So it was, at this point, the decision was made that he would be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Jamie was only the 46th person to receive the sentence. Wow. In America, we obviously give that sentence more often. Handed out like candy, I would say. Just like Tic Tacs. Yeah. So not only was he only the 46th person, but he was actually the youngest person in history to date. Mm. So the judge, which was Mr. Justice Wilkie, said that Georgia was would not have died instantly, but she would have suffered horribly, both mentally and physically, knowing that she had been betrayed by someone whom she had trusted and into whose power she had given himself. Killing Georgia was a long-standing, recurrent preoccupation with violent, sadistic pornography. You enjoyed the spectacle of her final ghastly minutes as she struggled for life, knowing that she was facing death. As Georgia's parents and her sister were forced to listen listen, excuse me, to the brutal details of how she had been lured to her death and what her fi- final moments entailed, Jamie simply hung his head. As the specific and more graphic details of Georgia's death were discussed, her family could stand no more, and they actually had to leave the courtroom, which I could not imagine how horrible that must have been for them. Oh, I mean, it's horrible listening to someone that we don't even know. You know, we don't know Georgia as a human being, and this imagine this is your daughter. Like, these are horrible facts that she all she was trying to do was be a, a sweetheart and help out a friend in need. And we we know what happened, fortunately. It's just tragic. Thank God the judge, you know, absolutely made the right decision. This guy is only going to hurt more people. And I wish it would have been done earlier, obviously. But, you know, these are the tendencies you got to look for. It's like anything attached sexually and aggressiveness. Right. Like that's 
if if we can like learn anything from all these horrible stories, it's like that's a, a red flag. You need to put this person in a new spot or do something with this person, but not put them in the general public. Right, because in 2008 he would have been about 17 or 18 when he strangled a girl in his house. Yeah, I mean that's very alarming. So in 2014, Jamie unsuccessfully appealed his life sentence. A case review was opened in 2015 to examine how police officers, children's services, and mental health workers had handled Jamie five years before he had murdered Georgia and had attempted to strangle another girl that he invited to his house. Like, why wasn't that taken more seriously? Uh, yeah, I, you can go back and forth of that all the time, but... You know, Georgia won't won't be dying in vain. You know, hopefully that if if something like this pops up again, they'll take it more seriously. I sure you know? hope so. And I you know wish she didn't have to die for that to happen. Um, you know, but uh, it, it is you know a, a good thing to come out of it is is you know a little bit more, more take it more seriously. Yeah. So Georgia's parents were horrified when they read the report and felt that the agencies had failed because it was clear to them that Jamie had the characteristics characteristics of a murderer in the making. They felt that their beloved daughter's death could have been prevented had this been taken more seriously back in 2008 and then again in 2011 when he reversed his car into somebody because that could have been like potentially that she could he could have killed either one of those girls. So they felt that, you know, this could have been prevented, their daughter dying. Jamie had previously told therapists that he found images of strangulation exciting, and he had experimented with asphyxiation using a plastic bag. Had Lynette and Steve had any idea of any of these thoughts or things that had happened in Jamie's past, they would have never allowed their daughter to spend time in Jamie's company. Of course. Clearly. They had known Jamie for years. They had been in, or he had been inside their daughter's social circle. As far as they were concerned, he was nobody to be concerned about. They yeah. never were. An odd duck. Yeah. Maybe a little socially awkward, but other than that, no, not concerning. So Steve Williams spoke outside the courtroom and said, There is no sentence that we can say we are satisfied with because it will never bring Georgia back. She is dead. She has gone physically and lives in our hearts. He added that whatever the length of prison term Jamie had been given, he still had the one thing that her daughter, their daughter had been denied, and this was life. He was still living. So Georgia's mom, Lynette, had since channeled her grief into writing a book called Our Georgia, where she was able to express her feelings of betrayal that Jamie had been free to kill after the glaring issues had been previously ignored. I guess she also mentioned in her book that their daughter Scarlett was going to be having a baby in just a few weeks and just what an incredible aunt that Georgia would have been. And that was denied from them. They'll never experience their daughter being anything more than a 17 year old, which is just so, so incredibly sad. In June of 2013, family and friends created the Georgia Williams Trust, which is a charity dedicated to providing assistance for young people that allows them to access their adventurous side because that's what Georgia loved. So they want to be able to financially assist people who have aspirations and dreams, and maybe they don't have the means to do so in their daughter's honor. That's so awesome. I love, love, love when, you know, the victim's parents or friends or something create something that they would have, you know, the, the person, the victim would have loved. Right. You know, to help them, their lives like live on their, their spirit. Right. Because yeah. you can never get that person back, but you could do something positive in their honor. And that's exactly what the Williams family did. Yeah. And that is 
is the sad and tragic story of the murder of Georgia Williams. Yeah. Well, Lynette and Steve are not wrong that, you know, had they something been done to Jamie, then their beautiful daughter would still be around and still, you know, spreading happiness to everybody. Of course. Yeah. And had they known that either of those events happened in 2008 or 2011, they would have like had Georgia known. I'm sure she had no idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, they'd be like, I'm you're not going over there. Heck no. Well, in any young person or any person of any age, if you get that little tingling that somebody's off and it sucks, you know, because there's definitely socially awkward people that aren't going to kill people. You right. Know, it's most people. But if you get something like you're in that situation where, you know, okay, something doesn't feel things, right, things are wrong, then listen to yourself, you know, listen to your, your thoughts and, you know, your instincts. And well, I think one uh, podcast I listened to, they say like F politeness. Yeah. Because sometimes our kindness and giving natures can get us into trouble, sadly, because there are bad people in the world that could take advantage of that good nature. And again, not very many people are going to go on to murder, but we hear these stories. Yep. Better to be safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. So I'm so sorry for Georgia and your family's loss. So thank you for telling our story. Uh, thank you all for listening. And if you appreciate what we do in any way, shape, or form, and you know, have a little extra scratch this holiday season. I mean, everybody's I'm sure oh, loaded with tons of money. All you the know, time. at the holidays, we have lots of money just tons. laying around. Yeah, just like where else can I spend money? Well, I've got good news for you. Consider this an impromptu Allison's Amazon addiction. And we noticed uh, a certain charcuterie board on Amazon that um, you know you showed it to buy for somebody. We're not going to say who because uh, they might be listening. But um, I was like, hey, that would actually be pretty cool for us it like it, it opens and you can put like the best part about the whole thing it comes with those little cheese tools that like i'm always searching in the kitchen i'm like okay where's how do you cut the cheese ha, cut the cheese, cut the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so there were four tools yeah like several knives and then like one of those like spear forky things like i'm so excited about this and like we're not getting paid by this i mean if you buy it through our links we'll get like 50 cents but it's just i'm so happy to finally have that little cheese tool like just to be able to cut the brie or some cheddar or some parmesan or whatever it might be so mike's right it so it slides open and the tools are within and then there's four ceramic bowls that kind of nestle around the sides but everything stays together and i'm not much of a like i always say i'm not a gadget girl for the kitchen i like simplicity but this was definitely something i could see us using especially at the holidays because we're all going to a holiday event or hosting something so i already know i'm putting out a charcuterie board i know what i'm putting in everything so highly recommended yeah it's only like 40 or 50 bucks like it's, it's something that you, you i would expect almost to be 100 something yeah it was nice and it came yesterday so we actually got to see it so yeah so this is a we'll call this allison's amazon addiction we bring it up every once in a while when we find something and anything else you bought from amazon or anything i'm randomly i bought these stocking uh hooks for the mantle we don't really have a mantle because we live in fire pl- or in florida so we don't really have a fireplace but we have a fake one and my I, I taped them to there it kept falling these were cheap they were like $13 and it's six of them and they've they've been holding up really nicely so we'll put both of those on Allison's Amazon Amazon addiction yeah check them out if you want yeah and real quick if you like what we do and want to support this little mom and pop podcast you can go over to patreon.com and you can sign up to be a patron and get access to over 30 episodes so we want to say uh, thank you and welcome to the crime and coffee couple club to Rebecca Shawnee Jennifer, Susan, Tamika, and Cindy. So thank you so much for joining. And um, you're all lovely, lovely human beings inside and out. And I hope you look forward to getting all those uh, extra, extra uh, episodes. Absolutely. We're going to do another one this coming Wednesday. Yep, absolutely. So looking forward to that.
And we appreciate each and every one of you being here, listening, supporting us. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us. We would so appreciate a five-star review. And there's a little plus button at the top of your podcast. Maybe go ahead and click that and subscribe to us. Then you won't miss any episodes. You'll be able to see which ones you listen to. But the point is, we just appreciate you guys. We know it's a holiday season and people are busy. And so if you're taking the time to stop and listen to us, we thank you. And when you're with family or coworkers, this holiday season be like hey you ever heard of the crime and coffee couple they're fantastic and yeah. if you don't like us then you know just forget what i said it's funny though we were at thanksgiving table at the thanksgiving table and we were telling my brother's girl new girlfriend about us and you could tell she's not a true crime person and i <laughs> i made a funny comparison i was like it's kind of like salmon you either like it or you don't and i was like no no i wouldn't say it's like that but um if you don't like true crime then you don't have to listen it's it's like you like true crime or you don't you like salmon or you don't there's no middle ground on either one yeah, I guess so. Okay. But if you like... If you like salmon and true crime, the, we are your podcast. And if you know a family member who's into true crime, pass us along. That's yes. the point, Mike. Yeah, we're not going to help have you make any uh, analogies anytime soon. So. <laughs> and until next time, bye! bye.